welcome to STEMiverse Podcast episode 32. In this episode, Peter and Marcus talk with Shanti Corporal and Skeev Stevens. Skeev and Shanti are serial entrepreneurs with multiple technology businesses and startups in the market and many more planned. Their mission is to build businesses whose purpose is directly or indirectly linked to personal empowerment. They exist to enable people to build a business, provide a service that they would not otherwise be able to, and to stay in business during the disruptopocalypse. <laughs> I'll say that again. Disruptopocalypse, which is a composite word combining disruption and apocalypse. More about that in the episode. Steve and Shanti believe that there is no time like the present to utilize all the global resources to empower dreams and independence, and that the next generation of disruptors will come from the hungry developing world. Steve is the dreamer, visionary, productizer, and disruptor. Shanti is a doer, level-headed, one that makes everything happen. In their capacity as futurists and advisors to organizations and governments, they share their view of the future, what that means for education and how we can prepare our children for it, and why we, the parents and teachers, are more in need for such preparation. This is Stemiverse Podcast, Episode 32. Welcome to Stemiverse, a podcast produced by Tech Explorations. Our mission is to help educators become awesome at teaching STEM, be it at home or in the classroom. Whether you are a professional or casual teacher teaching in a classroom, or a parent or caretaker teaching at home, this podcast brings you the knowledge and experiences of practitioners, academics, entrepreneurs, and lifelong learners who are passionate about education and strive every day to make the teaching and learning of science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and arts better. This podcast is brought to you by Tech Explorations, a leading provider of educational resources for makers, STEM students, and teachers. For a limited time only, go to texplore.com slash stemiverse and receive Peter's latest ebook, Maker Education Revolution, a book about how making is changing the way that people learn and teach in the 21st century. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Peter. How's it going about the weather? What's the weather today like? It's getting a bit chilly. It is 22 degrees, 23 degrees today. It's a lovely day today in Sydney, Australia. Yeah, finally. We had a few very hot days. Ah, yes. I was talking to my friends in America and it was, uh, there was no other. They couldn't get out of the house. Lucky people. Yeah. So who are we talking to today? Who are we talking to today, Peter? Right. So we've got two people. Like it's a double hammer episode. We've got Shanti Corporal and Skeeve Stevens, who... Uh, have got a very interesting story and uh, a very entrepreneurial people. I think at last count, 15 businesses. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of work in education as well, and that's why they're here. But they've got a very you know, unique perspective of where, not where education is right now, but where education is heading. So hello, Shanti and Ski. Hey, guys. Hey there. Thanks for having us. How are you us. today? 
Um, we're not too bad, actually. It's um, it's good to see that's Friday. I've got a lot of work to do on the weekend, and the weekends are when other businesses aren't bothering me, and I get <laughs> heaps even more done. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, yesterday, which was Tuesday for you, like you're doing something completely different, and today you wake up again, it's Friday. So are you living on some kind of accelerated timetable? <laughs> Uh, we can get into that. We can talk more about that soon. <laughs> Leave it for later. So could yeah. you guys take a few minutes and just tell us who you are? Oh, wow. Where do we start? This is actually one of those questions that is really hard when you're at a dinner party or you meet new people and they go, what do you do? And you're like, well, you're not going to really understand most of what we say. Just lie. Say you're a lawyer. Superman. So, so, <laughs> it's easier. Yeah, I mean, the easiest one, we did an entrepreneurial course and we used to say we're like network architects and people didn't understand that because we have a network architecture company that builds internet providers. But then we actually moved on to more being futurists and that is a really one of the simplest pitches and explanations ever because you say I'm a futurist and everyone goes, wow, tell me more. And when we became futurists, because we were playing in high tech for a long time, Um, with network engineering and just general I like toys, we started to get really deep in many areas and we started playing with RFID and radio comms and um, then we started getting into the maker world and robotics and AR, VR and somehow Shanti and I here decided to start a company which almost each of those topics as we went along because they're pretty much on the cutting edge and if it was something that we really liked and had a passion about, then most of what we get into is there's no one to call. There's no one, there's no dummy's guide to, you know, getting cybernetic implants and there's no, you know, we're, we're normally way ahead of the curve and it's sometimes easier given we've got already got a complement of staff in different companies to just co-opt them to start a new business in microchips or virtual reality or futurist or future crime where we're working for the government and many different areas and, Now we've got a robotics one coming soon, and we've got some other projects. It's just getting a little crazy. So I've been, I'm, so I'm old. I'm the old one here. I'm 40, how old am I? 46? 48. No one's mentioned. Stop it, stop it. So I'm 46, Shanti's 28. So I've been doing it for a long time. And and, um, so I guess I sort of dragged Shanti up. She's a little Gen Y that actually figured out how to get her to be interested in something. Um, and curious about stuff. Um, and there's just so much out there right now. So I guess uh, the the easy summary to all of that, because uh, Skeev is very much the, the dreamer and I am the doer. So I'm the, I'll give you a quick summary at the end. So we're futurists <laughs> that don't sleep enough uh, as far as I'm concerned. And we get involved in quite a number of areas to do with um, empowering people and um, spreading the knowledge yeah. and understanding of the stuff that we play with that uh, we play with now that we are pretty sure that a lot of people will play with in the not too distant future. Yeah. Uh, we've got a very strong why and we like to empower people and every single one of our companies, doesn't matter if it's network engineering or implants or something, it has an educational underlying underlying that that helps just empower other people i don't want to do everything i want to teach everybody else how to do it hmm. so can you like so you've got 15 companies so i don't know how you can handle it i'm, I'm trying to uh, <laughs> build one up could you give us some examples of the things that you do in those companies and especially as futurists maybe uh, maybe actually you should explain what that means 
Well, that's a that is actually a funny thing. So we're futurists, and Shanti and I we've been married for longer than I can remember six years, six years or something. And we've since for, for a long time we've been looking at different demographics. You know, we're watching people born in the year two thousand, so now they're about eighteen. But we've been watching them since they were about ten years old, watching what they buy, how they buy, what social medias, everything, what apps, what they from even what they wear, their attitudes to brands technology, what's blasé, what surprises them, what excites them, what just bores them. And we've been putting that together and it's been quite interesting as a futurist because one of the things that's kind of really funny these days is that we have we get up and do these keynote talks in front of hundreds of people and we go, so we're futurists and we're not here to talk about the future because most people are actually really stuck back in about 2014 because... We have we you guys don't understand, but we are sitting here playing with you know, obviously robotics and maker stuff and virtual reality. Virtual reality. Now that's even that to us is a bit passe. We're playing with brain con, brain computer interfaces where we can do um, use our brains and thoughts to control machinery. We're doing superhuman stuff where there's now equipment like uh, like TDCS to actually make people more superhuman. Um, there's smart drugs. There's so. And when we start to talk about some of those things, people go, oh, wow. And we're like, um, sorry, guys, that's now. You getting excited about virtual reality? We started our virtual reality company three years ago. So that's why we say kind of people are really, really still in 2014, but their technology is hitting them everywhere, especially their kids that come home going, oh, I was there to have a STEM thing today. And they came in and read my mind and they could, and they could see the patterns and the parents are going, what? I don't even understand trigonometry anymore. What are you doing? <laughs> You've got eight-year-old girls learning to code and parents are just, parents are done. Parents are like, they, they, they can't help with the kids with anything anymore, I believe. And that's actually a real concern to us, actually, is the fact that the kids are cool. They're taken care of. Anyone over about 18, 19, they've got a few problem years ahead. Unless they start getting into the education and the adult education, they're screwed. Like the workplace, what their kids are doing, everything like that. So that's the future side. We love talking about that's it. That's a good spot, actually. You are touching on like problems education and um, age groups. Mm-hmm. So if I understand, if I understand right, younger kids today are they're fine. They're mm-hmm. taking care of themselves. Um, I'd like you to talk about that a bit more. Why you think that is so, and then anybody above twenty, pretty much, is going to have some trouble over the next few years. Could you dig into that and tell us why is that? Well, I actually think, um, I mean, to do, let's start with the kids first because, you know, they take care of themselves, so it'll be quick. Um, almost, almost take care of themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the, for the most part, you've got, um, like, I've heard five times over the last week from different parents, oh, you know, my four-year-old can fix things in my house, my, you know, eight-year-old can, you know, log me out of my iPhone, my... Um, you know, like talking sub 10 and they can fix any piece of tech in the house. And you're like, wow. But there's a flip side to that. You have parents that are leaving stuff to their kids, but their kids don't really have the ethical guidelines and the, the framework in their mind that goes, hey, maybe this isn't a good thing. Like if you've got um, little Johnny, you know, who's eight years old building some robots and some vision technology kind of thing and spying on his sister's friends in the shower and he doesn't really realise that that's 
not such a good area to go into yet, you know, like as in that's not a good idea. Yeah, I was at, I was speaking at a conference recently and it was all about IoT and we had the IoT foundation and everything and I actually hammered them on that. I'm going, they're talking about adults. I'm going, but there is no one in the school system anywhere that is teaching children how to ethically and morally handle and deal with the technology that they are so empowered with that it seems to be missing from the entire, entire program of STEM. It's like, great, we've got the toys, but how do you ethically handle this? Do you make a an, an EMP? Do you build your own weapons at home? Do you, what should you, should you do and shouldn't do? I think that's a little bit missing because the parents don't know at all. Yeah, and uh, a lot of that stuff is, you know, it's, it's cheap, you know. Uh, kid gets his or her pocket money for the week and, you know, say, let's say 10 bucks. They can go and build a, some pretty powerful weapons for 10 bucks, you know. So it's not like it's something that you kind of have to chat with um, children who are learning all this really cool tech about like, hey, you know what, there is some of this stuff that can have some pretty nasty implications if it's not used right. So making sure that they've got that framework. So you think we should add one more letter to STEM? Like make put another E perhaps for ethics? Well, it's 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 a combination. It's everything from like just how they've learned over the last few years to deal with social media and bullying and everything. That needs to be a translated into STEM because as futurists, one of the things we look at kids at the moment and people think that all the kids are going to go and become programmers and stuff. And I'm like, no. <laughs> just because they're learning programming, it's going to be like learning Japanese at school. So you're not going to... This little little eight-year-old girl in 10 years isn't going to be a programmer. She's going to be a nurse who can open the MRI, type 20 lines of code, or she's going to be a lawyer writing Ethereum smart contracts, or she's going to be doing programming just like you were using a language. That'll be the way they do life. People going, all these jobs are going to disappear. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're just going to become way, way more advanced where you have software-defined MRI machines and the nurse is recoding the thing on the fly. Yeah. So if I understand right, what you're saying is that programming in the future is equivalent to what, say, being able to use Microsoft Office is for a knowledge worker today, where instead of writing, say, a paragraph of text in English, it's going to be like a, a smart contract for a lawyer, as you said, which actually involves a little bit of code. Yeah, so as what we were talking about before, that middle gap is going to be very weird because mm. in the next couple of like starting now, we're going to have 18-year-olds to 20-year-olds graduating with, well, not 18-year-olds graduating, but 20-year-olds graduating with law degrees who can code smart contracts and directors of law firms going, what is going on? And no one in the middle, like there's, there's 50, 60-year-old directors and these 22-year-old like graduating lawyers or doctors who can code machines, and there's this middle gap going, I don't know what's happening. Mm. And that's going to be quite interesting. I'd like to talk about solutions soon, but before solutions or suggestions for solutions, maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, pain, growing pain in STEM education or technology education in, in general, apart from the, the ethical issues that you talked about. Can you see anything else coming up? Okay, the biggest, and I, I, I don't, I'm not negative. I try not to be negative. I spoke at a conference for hundreds and hundreds of TAFE teachers and the chief scientist of, of STEM federally spoke 
um, before me and then I spoke and she came up up to me afterwards and said, I haven't heard about 90% of the things you were talking about. When their chief technologist hasn't heard of half the tech that you can buy, I'm not talking about Kickstarter delivery in a couple of years, you can click buy and it turns up like the emotive EEGs and all those sort of things. You can buy brain reading stuff. It's all online and this is not future. This is achievable and affordable. When she doesn't know that and when you've got a room full of hundreds of sort of teachers that also have no idea what you're talking about and that was the technology teachers. And I'm like, STEM's good. (laughs) STEM's good, but it seems to be missing. I mean, I I have a little problem with STEM in that I love what they're teaching, but I don't, I think it's missing. I think the big bit, they should be, they shouldn't be teaching STEM that because the kids kind of are going to just learn it. They should be teaching with STEM, like more history in virtual reality and geography in virtual reality and, and those kinds of things. Just don't focus on robotics, bring metalwork and woodwork into the, into the, bring robotics into that where, where it's just a tool. I don't want them to focus on all the different things. I want them to use them as just as though like they're picking up a hammer because that's all it is to them. It's just a part of their existence and they don't really need to learn it. It's just going to be something they just understand. And I don't want them sitting there going, graduating high school and going, I can do anything with computer. I don't know how to talk to anybody and I don't know what the world's like. I mean, we all know that it's much easier to learn anything when you have, when you're learning it with a practical application. So I don't know why any kind of tool within STEM would be any different, really. And STEM's great. We just got to figure out how to get the teachers to know it well in a scale. We've talked to so many students, or just kids that we come across. Mm -hmm. Are you doing STEM? Oh, no, our school can't afford that. (laughs) That makes me feel a bit sad because even now they've got no STEM still, some of them. And Mm -hmm. And I think also the parents. A lot of kids still learn a lot of stuff at home. You know, like they'll learn to read before they go to school or whatever. So they really need to start bringing this stuff back into the home and then having parents that don't shy away thinking, I oh, know it's too complicated, but actually have some stuff that bridges the gap. Um, one idea uh, we had a little bit earlier was, hey, why not have some of these P&C nights and do something um, a little bit more interesting and, and you know, bring a robotics night? into the PNC type Teach of environment. Teach the parents Get to them support involved. them after they leave the school. Um, I also, I was speaking at a police thing recently um, and I my advice to them was change up the um, the police, the PCYC, the police youth, youth clubs. Don't just make it about sport and basketball. The police should be looking for the future technology police. Do drone racing. And drone <laughs> racing, get into the technology and the police needs to learn it themselves. They're the same as, they're in the same um, boat as the normal teachers where they're struggling to understand what's going on, which is one of the reasons that we hold some classes teaching police how to use maker things. And it's just kind of, what? how do you teach new generation when there's no teachers? Yeah, so the technology is changing so quickly and... Uh this is causing problems to the teachers. It's, it's very hard to keep up, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they've got no money as well. They like the biggest complaint to me at the last conference was that they had to pay for a lot of themselves. Yeah. Well, before I get to solutions, Marcus, uh, any comments, questions? <laughs> I think to be fair, the various departments are trying. Yeah. They are taking an approach to STEM that is cross-curricular. 
it's written into the curriculum. I think that they recognize so, the importance, right? They, for this always. Yeah, they are applying it to things like history and things like hmm. we've talked to. Well, sorry, we've talked to. That's maybe we need more grammar and English. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we've spoken to many teachers who you know, talk about how they are using STEM and say geography or history or uh, likewise uh, that sort of thing. It's um, getting there. It's getting there. As futurists uh, and people that, you know, you meet a lot of people through conferences uh, and, and speaking to parents, to teachers and a lot of people in the community, do you see that being an, a problem around the world, in Australia in particular, you know, some parts of the world? I think it depends. It does depend on the country, what they're focusing on, and also the economic region. We, a couple of the kids we were talking to the other day were like went to Bankstown or a few other those kind of areas and they were saying they didn't have any eastern suburbs. They were like, oh, we've got so much. We talked to this eight-year-old girl who was onto a second coding language. Mm. And so it kind of depends on on the schools, I guess, what the importance that they place on it. Um, and I, I don't know how, um, having not had kids yet, I don't know how much influence the parents have um, in what the schools do. But there's a lot of areas. That, I mean, anything that's happening at the moment is awesome. It's just... It takes time for normal people to get a grip on things. The problem is by the time they've got the grip, three months later, it's a new product, things have changed, there's a new mm. device out, there's a new language out, there's a new this and there's that, and the kids know about it, but the parents are going, I can't keep up with now, much less what's going on in two weeks. It seems like I don't like using words like winners and losers because it's quite divisive, but from what you're saying, it, it feels like kind of a wild west situation where a new frontier has been discovered and then the ones with specific characteristics, perhaps, you know, a faster horse, right, or luck, whatever it might be, capital, uh, are the big winners like eastern suburb schools perhaps or schools with uh, active parents uh, and teachers committee or students committee. And um, what do you suggest for people to do or to attempt to do so that they are on the winner's side? I don't think there's much difference between like my PA, she's like 50-something, five, whatever it is, and a kid. If you have curiosity, there is so much content online, like Lydia and all these schools, and there is no excuse. I mean, I was early, very, very early. Like I, when I was doing year 10, I was actually doing a TAFE course. I actually gamed the system because it said no entry requirements. And when they said no, I said, excuse me, you say no entry requirements. And they kind of looked a bit confused while this, you know, 15-year-old kids trying to enroll in a TAFE course doing micro microprocessor architecture. And they looked at each other and went, fine, okay. <laughs> um, I guess if you want it and every kid has access to obscene amounts of internet, it is right there. So... At the moment, I think we're still in a stage where it's having to be kind of handed to them, yet they could reach out and take anything they want from anywhere on the planet um, with what can be consumed online and YouTube and so many. The amount of videos I'm watching at the moment um, in some of the projects and like a three-minute video on how to accomplish this in five minutes and I've already spent, you know, three days research and there is so much available that where you are shouldn't really make much of a difference as long as you've got access to the internet. Now, if you're unfortunate enough not to even have that, then 
you know, um, something else. Get the else. internet. Get the internet, but... Um, so, if I understand right, what you're saying is that to become a winner, pretty much in any field, you need to basically have a mindset that you are not dependent on anybody else. And since the tools that are important here, like YouTube, for example, ways to disseminate and to reach and to get knowledge are freely available through the internet, like a public library, for example, will give you access to those things. Uh, it's a matter of mindset to get to those things, right? You, you shouldn't have to depend on your parents or on your principal at school to get you computers to tell you what to do. Yeah, well, actually, yes and no. You shouldn't have to rely on them, but there's one key thing missing from education and schooling, and that is teaching them about themselves. Like when I was young, I was like, I wanted, I want to be an architect and a translator. I knew exactly what I want to do. I know 18, 90 year olds, you know, in their second year of uni that still don't even know what they want to do yet. And they're just like, just roll a dice and pick a random degree. And they don't seem to, people don't seem to know what they want to be. They don't seem to be having dreams. They don't seem to understand because they don't know themselves. They don't know their why. They don't know their passion. You get a lot of people who like, I want to be a sportsman and they try hard and they do well and they focus it from a young age. But the majority of youth these days, and that's carrying all the way with Gen Y up into the you know mid-20s, they're still trying to figure out what they even want to do or what means to them. Because if you don't know what's important to you, how do you know where to focus and start? I think that's not really being focused on at all. But that's probably the hardest problem of all, right? Um, it's quite possible to go through your whole life without actually answering that question. It's like a life's big quest for a lot of people. I think it's a new thing. It's one of like technology's rising like crazy, but self-awareness and many of these other things are part of the new awareness, like regarding whether it be you know, liaising with other people's, you know, psychology is coming into um, how, how we treat each other of, you know, nobody's different anymore, you know, just because you're black, white, or um, what your preferences might be in many areas, it, people are just people and that's really good. But people are becoming, I think everything's also being handed everybody so easy. Here's your little ribbon for just attending. This is like competition, like striving and f like, like for something. I don't see very much of it at all. And comparing yourself to others. Yeah, well, you, you, don't write, you don't try to be better if you've got no reason to be better. Yeah, if you're the same, what's the point in comparing? Yeah. Yeah, it's not that it's not about comparing, it's about being important. I'm not saying like, I want to beat him. It's more about, I want to beat me. I want to be the best I can at whatever makes me good. It's not, I don't, I mean, competition is a, should inspire you, not inspire you to, to, to be better, not to beat someone else. Unless you have to, because you're trying to win a scholarship or a, uh, you know, win a race or win something like that. An actual competition. Yeah. So how does STEM come into all this? So now we are basically looking at fundamental questions in a young person's life and very often in older people's lives as well, like, who am I, <laughs> right? Can't get deeper than that. What's STEM's role in all this? Like, we started the conversation saying that STEM is a tool. It allows you to learn ways to achieve certain objectives. Now we're talking about who am I? What's your take on this? I actually find that um, technology is a really good way to flesh out passions. 
Um, one of the best things I think now, well, it's like a double-edged sword, right? But I think one of the greatest things nowadays is you have access, obviously, to YouTube, which means that you can put your talent online for anyone to see, which obviously comes with um, some negative backlash or whatever. But at the end of the day, you can learn a new talent, you can build robotics, you can do anything, you can teach a language, you can flesh out any possible passion you might have and put it up online and potentially even make money yeah, from it. And get paid for it. There's mm. nice new systems like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Patreon, that are designed, let's say you guys wanted to quit your day job and make this your day job or just creating videos and content online. There are people with anybody who does that. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> but there's actually a system now that's designed for that. Okay. Um, there's a guy in Sydney, um, um, Mick Mike, you know, and he's on Patreon. And I'm and I went and went, cool. I'm going to give him the highest level. He only wanted you know twenty bucks or something. And I, I think I doubled it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so he gets he gets with enough people. If you get half a million people giving you a dollar a month, that's actually ridiculous. Like, <laughs> and if you're 15, like, that's really if, good pocket if, money. If, if, like, there's a guy um, in the US that does lasers. This kid that does lasers. Oh, you've probably seen him. He's like mind blowing. He's so scary. He's got oh, hundreds he of blurt of balloons with his laser. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's actually he's actually terrifying. The military have come and said hello to him and trying to and trying to hire. Not 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 in a bad way. They're like, yeah, you need to come work with us. <laughs> um, so he's got hundreds of thousands of followers. And if he was on something like Patreon and people were just giving him a dollar, a dollar is nothing. Per year. Yeah, but your conversion rate on that isn't that high. Well, it, we've got to recognize that, that, that like YouTube uh, probably has, I don't know, 500 million people with accounts there and mm-hmm. 0.1% is making uh, a difference in the in income. But I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I like working with analogies and thinking about analogies. So when you said that STEM provides options, the way I think about it is that STEM basically provides doors through which you can walk through and achieve your, I wouldn't say destiny, but you know, it's, uh, your, your, your dream in a way, or allow you to discover something that makes you happy uh, in your day-to-day life. And so STEM will multiply those doors. Instead of just going through a course and then having one door in front of you, you have to go through it because there's no way back and that's it. STEM opens, uh, gives you a lot of doors through which you can go. And if you don't like what you see on the other side, you can just come back, try another door. It's because it's such a rich you know, env- environment, knowledge environment that allows you to do uh, a lot of diverse things. And, um, and there's now tools like virtual reality where I could read a book and it's got fish in it. And I'm like, hmm, look, pretty fish. But if I've got my VR and I'm an immersive 360 experience and I'm under the water and there's fish flying around with me, I'm off being a, a marine biologist now. And that's like, that could cement my depth of what I do and going off and doing degrees and masters and PhDs and changing the future because normal books and normal simple stuff, they are clinically, just, just clinical. But when you move it from the mind, sorry, from the mind, which is what that is, to the heart, and to emotions where you can remember that first time you saw this shark fly go past you and you ducked and then not realizing that you were sitting in your lounge room and because you feel virtual reality you're starting to feel the future feel the tech and experience things like we've never done before and it's not just for kids it's for anyone who wants to feel in a different way i often say to people 
Mm. I can't tell you. I can tell you as much about virtual reality and what it will feel like as me trying to explain how sex will feel. That's very clinical and you'll go, "Uh uh-huh. But when you do it and you put the headset on and you just go, oh my, I'm looking over a cliff, I'm looking at a great wall, I'm sitting in India, I'm under the ocean, all these things, your heart just goes, oh wow. And you can't say these things in words. They have to be experienced. So that's another door then that this particular technology opens, right? Well, it's a tool that it basically makes your brain be able to think because we can only do so much from a book or a movie and and just dream about something without context. It removes the need to have to fill a lot of that white space and you can just be there. Now, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem VR and AR. I, I mean, as futurists, we see a future where... We're dragging little 14-year-old Johnny out of his VR environment because he's overweight and blah, blah, blah. And But in VR, like that, there's a new movie about to come out, um, a Spielberg one or something like that, where the world's all trashed. But in virtual reality or in there, really, he's amazing. So we are going to have that. We are going to have addiction problems with VR. We're going to have people that never want to leave it. And that's just as much in adults. Because we know, remember years ago, there were people that were playing video games to the point of exhaustion and not eating. Yeah. But VR yeah. is going to be a lot different because this is so much more than people on, online, they're like watching sex and different things. But when you can just have a relationship. So a lot of people in VR, they talk about porn. And I'm like, it's not about porn. It's about everyone wants connectivity. And if I can spend three hours in VR on a beach with this beautiful girl just looking at the sun... You're only living a little, you know, Corona ad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a virtual yeah. girl, of course, right? Who's yeah, really a man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, you know how the internet works. <laughs> Sex lasts for, you know, 30 seconds. Well, maybe for other people. But, but these things, these experiences are going to change people's lives and no matter how old you are. We've interviewed people at aged care facilities and nursing homes and put them in VR and they're just like, more, more? How can I have more? And, and we're like, what would you like? And they're like, tell us about the kind of experiences they would like. One lady's like, I want to walk down George Street in 1920. And I'm like, I don't know how to make that happen. But you can just ask the computer, can't you? Yeah, but that's the sort of thing we'll be able to do in the not too distant future. And they want to experience and travel still when they can't. So you can imagine a room full of people with headsets on in a nursing home, traveling all over the world or taking proper tours with a, a guide in front of them, talking to them and having a rich experience but out of the part of the body that was limiting them, whether you're disabled, whether you're aged, whether you're too young to go diving, but you could still experience diving. So that's going to change people's lives in an amazing so way. So that is, if I understand right, what you're saying is the future is now, having done all this research, VR is probably one, one huge game changer, not just in education, but in many aspects of life. Like I, I can definitely sympathize with nursing homes. I've got my grandmother who is disabled. She hasn't left her nursing home for a year. So imagine what a VR experience can do for her. So how do you see VR? Um, and also let's plug in augmented reality as well. They're very different, very different. Yeah. Or could you tell us your take on how those two can change education, say, in the next, let's make it five to ten years? Um, 
Honestly, there's a lot of VR. I prefer 360 immersive. Um, like, it's just normal games and really it's just, a, to be honest, it's just like, you know, really advanced PlayStations and now that's got VR. AR is very different whether it's, it's about information. It's an overlay on the real world. So it's that Robocop look where you're looking over and everything like that and you can see statistics and information. It's going to help some people do their job. Like if you work in electricity, there'll be stats and details floating in front of you. You'll be able to call knowledge up all you want. And then we've got MR, which is the mixed reality, where you blend those together. And I actually, there's, I actually believe there's actually no argument of AR versus VR because Apple, Samsung, et cetera, et cetera, they'll just make the glasses that are AR that'll just mm-hmm. go opaque and be VR when you need them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all just going to be one big thing. And with a lot of the providers, uh, sorry, uh, people that are still coming, um, like, um, what's the Microsoft one? Um, the, the the Hololens and the other amazing one that I really liked. I keep forgetting the name of Oculus Rift. Or, no, no, uh, no, no, no. The Rift, that, the Rift's old. I've got you know. Oh, I know the one, one they just started. came out like two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah, so they kind of just started. They started to show us and everything. It's like like lucid dreaming and things. But I think even those technologies like VR and the Oculus Rift, we were so excited about it. But have you seen society kind of? Massively use it? No, it's gaming. It's like gaming territory, which it is. Like yeah. where advanced users are, they spend a bit more money for this. We've got a big opinion about a lot of the tech. I think a lot of the tech. Too many people focus on the tech. When the te- when for a tech to be obscenely successful, is when you forget it's there and it's just a tool you pick up and use in your part of your daily life. So VR has become a game controller with deeper emotional attachments. Um, augmented reality, when it actually appears, because we still don't actually have any of it, that'll just be a tool you put on. Like Shanti and I fantasize about having AR glasses when we're keynote speaking or at business events where I look around the room and it goes, okay, she's working here, she's just changed jobs, blah, 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 blah. blah. Hey, Joanne, blah, blah, blah. And like, they're going, whatever. And I've got her stats of LinkedIn and Facebook yeah. floating above her head. You, you will know. never forget anybody's name ever again. Yes. Um, you walk into the event and you just do a little couple of lines of code. You know? Number one, number two, number three. Yeah, I like the idea of walking into an event and doing a couple of lines of code going, I want to meet people in this sector, in this age range, with this opportunity. You won't even need to code that. You know? your, your, the machine learning that surrounds your life will just know. Will know what you want. That's the projects and the, that's the Google searches and that's the what you've been looking for. And it'll be like, hey, you've been looking for this stuff over the last yeah. couple of weeks. The weird, is, weird thing is we found a guy who was making that and didn't want to use it for that purpose. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was so close to giving you my money. <laughs> so... Augmented reality, I think, in a, like in, in traditional classroom situation where you know you've you've got the students looking at a textbook, and now I imagine putting your augmented reality glasses on, looking at the textbook, and there's geometry, for example, and suddenly those shapes just come out of the page, and we can see them in front of you, still being part of the book, but then you can manipulate them, you know, turn the geometric, you know, objects in three dimensions, mm-hmm. colors lines become alive just imagine the impact in understanding of mathematics chemistry yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen the hololens go and youtube it because even though it's not out yet microsoft gives some amazing videos about the potentials where you've got medical students just bodies are coming apart in the air in front of them they can look yeah. at the heart moving the depth 
We learn by all our different senses and apparently most of the time we're just using our eyes, but this allows you to feel and understand and, as you said, step through it. People are going to become better doctors, better geologists, better everything they do, better mechanics. They'll know A mechanic will know more about engines by being able to just tap, tap, bring the engine in, in, into there, in, right into them, step inside, look at it. Then once they tie that in with actual real diagnostics of an actual person, like that's and but why not? We we are so just. We actually have most of the technology we need. Uh, AIKit is most of the way there. They've just uh, Apple released right. version one point five that has image recognizers, so you can certainly do your textbook thing now. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of cool and uh, new business. Google's Core AR. <laughs> yeah, I said that. I was asked at a conference the other day. Someone said, "What's what's Australia going to be like in five years?" And I thought about it, and I went. Actually, it's going to be exactly the same technology-wise because everything that we're going to have in five years is already here. You just can't afford the $15,000 robot now or the, the BMW Series 7 that's got that projection stuff that years ago cost $300,000. Now you buy it for $45 and it just projects it up to your screen. So mm-hmm. all the tech isn't going to be any different in five years. It's just going to be obscenely cheaper and more common. Like HoloLens, $5,000 for a dev kit for the HoloLens. Oh, my goodness. Where does all this live, lives teaches? So just to go back to where we started. I can answer that. Retired? I, retired? <laughs> I no. There's a, I think, you know, people teaching people is going, you know, we've done it for millions of years, right? So um, you're going to still need that. But I think it's just more of a, you just have more tech in the classroom. There'll still be stuff that some schools can't afford, but you won't have the same um, kind of thing happening. I had an idea the other day. Do you know how we've got all those things like Fiverr where people are able to use their skills that they've mm-hmm. got? Just, and I don't mean there's any negative way to a teacher, but let's say we've got an average teacher for, for a Sydney standard. He is so beyond amazing and excellent if he was able to use AR and VR to be projecting into classrooms in Nepal and India and other places. And we could have Japanese teachers appearing in our, fr- in our class in front of us. And we know, I don't know, I've, I don't know if you've seen the hologram tech um, where you can have speakers walking around the stage in front of you. That's what I mean. We all, our skills, so you could say someone that's average for Australian students because the world's got different. Why not? Why not be an average teacher here but amazing in 20 other countries that you have 10 um, lessons, one hour lessons, and you're in different parts of the world everywhere talking about us and different standards. You could The whole world becomes a very different place and changes things in many, many ways. A global village. I actually think the art of there's, you know, there's the education and the teach, 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 but there's also the facilitation of learning. So I feel, I hope that, teaching becomes more of a facilitation of children learning and adults learning rather than I have to teach you this curriculum because this is, you know, obviously there's guidelines, but it should be more geared towards a facilitation rather than a force down mm-hmm. people's throat. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about the fleshing out of passion and making sure that kids are encouraged to go with the way they go because, no matter what you try to force kids into or out of or whatever, they still follow what they're gearing towards. Like um, uh, we got a consult from a kid in New Zealand. He's amazing, right? Kid's 11 and his dad 
like, of course, we were like, yeah. you don't need to pay to have a consult. Like, let's just chat. And his dad's like, no, no, no. He should, you know, learn the value of Well, the 11-year-old had two companies, yeah. two businesses. And he's like, no, you should learn the value. So, so he called us and he's like, you know, hey, I've learned this language and that language and this and that. What should I do next and all this sort of stuff. And we're like. That was weird. Wow, that we feel so dumb now. I had to turn on the futurist hat there because he's like, I'm 11. Anything I learn at the moment, I will not be using when I can get paid for yeah. it. And I, and, and I was like, very mature question. Okay, so what languages should he be learning now that will help him build on the next ones that are coming in two years and three years and four years? So, and that sort of thing. Even men not C, have been invented uh, here. C, well. C++. You, know, right? you can't go wrong with that. Well, look, it's like, as you say with your Arduino courses, it's a very stable technology. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Get to learn Emacs and Fi whilst we're at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about Yeah, Vim, go Vim. Well, even that's that we're using. Like we're seeing, a, well, so an example with that is I don't believe any of that will be necessary soon because and examples are you've got in the drone world, it's hard to fly some of these things. But now they're all coming with built-in stabilization. You push that button, it goes up here, and you actually have to do very little. Or, and even the robotics. So we've got a Dobot magician, and now it's all drag and point and click and everything else like that. So a lot of interfaces are going to be written that allow people to express themselves easier and when the brain control interfaces, brain computer interfaces get even more so, that's going to be a serious game changer. And with the smart drugs and a variety of other things, things are changing. I mean, we've started up a new business called Superhumanology, um, which is about creating superhumans. And because the, some of the things that are out there at the moment, people actually have no idea. And Australia has actually been a bit protected for, by some of this. And I talked about it at that conference with the teachers. Yeah. And the, um, it was kind of, they were mind blown and they all wanted to know where to get it. So tell us about modafinil. Yeah, exactly. So modafinil and and, variety, and many others. Shanti's the hardcore biohacker. Because it works for exams. Um, well, in the US, 25% of students are now using it. Employers have a budgets for it and they're asking people when they start jobs if they mind taking it. It's we it's part of our presentation. We've actually got some slides where, and this is a funny thing that I've understood recently, and this is the problem about the future and technology. If you see articles that you have no reference point, so we work with some hardware which is called the Halo Sport, which is transcranial direct current stimulation, and it sounds very technical and complicated, but, you know, we had Mel Meninga, the kangaroos use it. And I give that article for people to read it. It was in the Australian, and they have no idea what it's talking about because they've got no reference point. If I start talking about the Dow Jones Index and blah, 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 and you don't hear anything because you don't have a connection. And there is a lot of tech at the moment from the brain control stuff and everything and, and the what we're calling changeables, which is like the halo and, and other things. And there is no reference point for normal people. They just go, you, you, you what? And they don't understand what they're even hearing. So there's been articles since, 90, since 2015, there's been stories in the news about on Mamma Mia and, and everything about Motorfinal, about smart drugs about the different movies, the movie that... Um, Limitless. Limitless and things like that. And they're like, that's not real. And I'm like, Can you actually, tell us what is, uh, what's a smart drug? Uh, nootropics. Nootropics, as um, Marcus pointed out, is um, one of the most popular ones in the world at the moment. So I hear. So what do they do? What, what do these drugs <laughs> do? It, uh, uh, it is actually uh, mind-blowing, I have to tell you. Um, so basically it's a smart drug. Uh, an awful lot of people use it, from Hillary Clinton to, like, the Musks to... Gates, they're all using the smart drugs. I mean, you've got pilots. The military in the US moves it, uses it in a massive way now because they moved everybody off the Adderall and the ones that 
basically uh, got the speedy stuff in it. Amphetamine-based. Yes, amphetamine-based. It's non-addictive. So these drugs have got a chemistry that acts on the brain to enhance cognitive performance, alertness. Yes, so it's concentration, alertness. There's, there's many kinds. There's modafinil, armodafinil. They all do different things and different receptors. And There are natural ones. There are natural ones. <laughs> Such as? Is, it, is caffeine one of those? Caffeine yes. is actually no, not much different to modafinil, except caffeine does a tiny spike where modafinil is like that kind of spike. So um, even raw um, nicotine, not actually the cigarette, cigarette stuff, but actual nicotine, there are many different smart drugs that actually do a lot of things to the body. That's where the whole biohacking and transhumanist movement is coming from. Are such thing, things ethical? We were talking about ethics earlier. If you start altering your chemistry in that way, uh, are you getting an... I haven't even talked about CRISPR yet. Are you getting an advantage? So, um, I wear glasses so that I can see better. Yeah, I mean, you're a biohacker. You've got glasses on. Yeah. I take Panadol when I have a headache. Yeah, so we're all actually biohackers. We're all altering things that we need to when we need to. It just, some people disagree about how far you go, but it's a creep thing. Um, like, do I choose the colour of my baby's eyes? Things like that. We've been talking about that for many years because we can do all yeah. those things. Because, uh, you know, altering your chemistry is kind of more invasive than uh, wearing glasses or better shoes or, you know. Not as you might think. You can get home crispers now and edit. you're starting to edit your own genome. Okay, awesome segue opportunity. So let's talk yeah. about invasive things. Well, speaking of that, I know that you guys don't use keys anymore. Is that true? What have you done? Well, well yes and no. Um, depends on the technology that surrounds us. So, yes, we have implants. And I'll be honest, I'm bored by my implants. <laughs> because they are literally just keys. We did it because well, I was kind of lazy and kept losing my keys, but people go, oh, wow, you've got implants and I've got an RFID in my um, right hand. I've got N- two NFCs actually in my left hand. Uh, sorry, my left hand at the moment, my right hand. But when you think about it, and everyone's like, why would you do that? And there's a bit of opposition. But people clearly don't understand the bigger picture. Teenage girls now, um, I don't know how much you know about contraception, but... They get a contraception called implanon, uh, implanon, which is like which is like two matchsticks and ten times the size of my my rice grain of rice implant, and way smaller than the um, pacemakers and the implant hips and the cochlear implants and and the brain implants. I, there are so many people that are way more robotic than I am. So your implants serve a practical purpose, like they identify you so that you can unlock a door. Yep. So you don't have to carry your keys around or your car. You can start your car without having keys. Uh, I think the RFID also allows you to make payments, right? Like uh, Apple uh, iPad. Yeah, is that you, you can do certain things. Um, the RFID stuff is actually, it's cool, but it's a little bit of a pain in the butt because there is actually way too many standards. RFID has got so many. And we had a guy send us his actually work ID card the other day and... Um, going, can you put this into the chip? And I scanned it and looked at it and it was something called a pyramid format, which I tracked down and I'm like, I've never heard of that. And But it's not part of the standard HID common ones and the T5577s or the EM, th- you know, whatever those sort of things. And even in NFC, there's like you know, 42 types. We're in Meritons in these apartments and they've got all our cards here at NFCs, but they're my fair 1K classics and I've got an ultralight. Like, ah! You need like, another operation. <laughs> 
Well, actually, well, I've got to get the, that's the sad thing, right? This one, the one I got in my um, the new one I just got, which is actually one of those, um, was a dud. So I actually got to go and get that one removed, and it's a bit of annoying. Um, but did it fail inside or no? Did, I never worked from no, never worked from um, from the implant. I don't know if it was an actual dud because it's in the syringe. With, it's already preloaded, so I can't scan it. And that's you know, that's the way they sell them. It's a lot, a lot better than um, than um, sort of putting together your own um, injection stuff. And I've got to get. No, it's, it's very easy to get taken out. Any of them, they're just like when the girls go and get their implant on taken out. That's way way bigger. So it's just mm. people just have a weird um, way of the way they think should think should be. Sometimes, even though they're used to it. Like I remember many years ago when McDonald's changed the color of the tomato sauce to green because tomato sauce is, is actually grey and they make it red. But they decided to make it green for the fun of it, and everyone lost their mind. And it was the same thing. So people get a bit weird at the moment about some things. Oh, my God, it's a robot. Oh, hang on. I can see the practical uses for that. Like, I think I, they do make life easier when it comes to case identification. Even holding some basic medical information for emergencies, That I can see the, the benefit there. Yeah, mine's got a lot of chest data in there of all that sort of stuff. So we're playing in aged care. Um, where we're looking at de- putting it in um, um, uh, Alzheimer's and dementia people. I worked in aged care for a while. What's your address? Uh, exactly. Where do you belong to? We we had a time when someone would, uh, but they're a bit lost, and the bus driver would just let them on at, at um, in um, North Ride, and they'd be sitting at town hall, very confused, and a police has no database until they get reported, and I felt I felt really sad. And so we're working on some pilots with those and we've been getting calls. We do get, yes, yes, we do get the calls going, can you track the chips? Because they people actually want them for their kids. Privacy, right? No, Privacy people want them. No one cares about that. Right. But no, we've never. We talked to 50 carers at aged care and asked if anyone had a problem and only two of them said, will it hurt? Hmm. And when we said, no, just pinch yourself there, and they went, oh, yeah, cool, no problem. 50 out of 50 carers didn't care. And we, and we speak at conferences and parents bring their kids up afterwards going, oh, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter would like to talk to you about getting an implant. Where can she go? And I'm like, I'm, I'm into this stuff and I'm a little nervous about how relaxed everybody is about it. <laughs> well, what about education? Uh, any, any potential applications of this technology in education? Uh, in education? education? Um, I was about to say uh, my... I mean, actually, education, sure. In terms of like in a classroom and just tinkering with things, but you wouldn't need to have an implant to start playing with yeah. um, RFID and yeah, NFC. Yeah, the, uh, the identification, technology. With, uh, identification uh, is a good way, um, which means you could like authenticate people going to exams and yeah. you could even do things online and there's e-health Cameras and having it yeah. computing. You don't really need it anymore, well, right? Verified, just to explain to our listeners, it's a very basic technology. So it's a kind of technology that we use in the car to pay tolls, for example. It's a wireless identification technology. Well, more than that, it's been around for 30-odd years um, mm-hmm. going into pets. It's actually, the RFID one is actually just a slightly different frequency to the one that I've got. I just don't have it in the back of my neck because it'd be funny opening doors that way. <laughs> yes. yeah. But do you have a tattoo in your ear? <laughs> Um, I have lots of tattoos, but um, none on my ear. All our dogs were chipped and they had the tattoo in the ear. It's okay, that's enough. It was a joke, wasn't it? <laughs> that was my uh, right there. Think, you know, when it comes to allergies, 
Um, oh, yeah. Implants is a big thing. So, uh, you know, if you've got people who are allergic to penicillin or peanuts or whatever it is, you know, if, if you, uh, if this child or it doesn't matter how old they are, um, can't speak for themselves. It's quite safety. It's not really about education. What could we use in education for, Shanti? Um, I'm just uh, exploring here. Like uh, I, I haven't heard of any such applications, but it is a new technology. So I, I just wonder if anything has come across oh, your radar. Maybe like identification that enables customization. Yeah, you can use it in gamification and things like that, identification and students. Imagine tracking students and even from a safety perspective, knowing where the students are, what they're up to. You could record some of their progress if you wanted to, if they had such a thing. So a teacher would walk in, a substitute teacher would walk in and just look at a scanner and know exactly where a whole bunch of different people are up to in different areas. It's like health, but where are you when you're on your education? Why not? So I have a RFID scanner for little bird that can scan a palette and do take multiple readings at a time. Yep. But the big warning label is don't walk in front of the beam. <laughs> How can we scan multiple kids at at once without the well, RF, basically uh, the cooking them? signal? Yeah, yeah, well, that's different technology. RF I'm actually working on... Probably because it's so low power and you block it. I don't think there is... No, 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 no. no. This is because it's really? high power. Oh. Oh, yeah, it's on an antenna. So it's a microwave. You, you don't want to get right. right. It needs to be turned around. Um, so the that's actually quite easy these days. We're actually working on a project with one of Australia's biggest companies on tracking uh, things like that. And um, beacons and Bluetooth and um, a whole bunch of other different things are just a prob- far more appropriate. Do you have a BLE implant? Um, oh, I've actually, no, but that would be awesome. I, the, you can actually implant anything. You, proximity there. you can implant <laughs> anything like like Meow getting his Opal card done, you can get put anything you want on your screen. So it's a, it's a thing called grinding. There are people that can get so many different things inserted at the moment, like actual computers. But I think it would be funny. I have enough trouble trying to charge my phone, much trust trying to charge my arm. Would, would, that, would that cause problems at the airport? They're like having all sorts of implants or anyway. Mine don't show up on those body scanners. <laughs> okay. So do you think we should, we should um, tag all students? I think you should tag all babies. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> okay. no. What's your email address? I, I don't, for I don't really. I'm not really that kind of person. I think it's got to be a tool. If it's a tool that makes your life easier, great. Um, but there's actually no difference. Like, I, while I do have an implant, we have rings, we have stickers. I actually just bought some things from China at the moment, where they send it to me in little nail kits. So they send a little tiny box with about five fake nails in it and a sti- an NFC sticker that can actually design to go under the nails. So you take it to a salon and you actually get it put on. So it, nice. it, it, that can be just hidden in everything. They, we're working on people with clothing where you're embedding NFC. So you tap the arm of the shirt and it tells you the person who made it or how to care for the shirt. There is a lot of use for these kinds of technologies in normal products. And it's all really just what works for you. I don't know if I'll need to... Uh, you won't need implants because one of the things that I saw recently was ink that is conductive. So I actually just can just get a stamp and it actually acts as the same chip. So you go you go and visiting. So we're not going to need to do this in the not too distant future. You'll just get a stamp and it'll just work on your arm as it is. Uh, the implant, so the, the implant is stamped on you, not implanted. It's just like an RFID or an NFC like sticker. It's just printed yeah, on you. That's a right, thing okay. now. So I really see the implants as a bit old kind of a thing, you know. Just looking at the time and being mindful of that as well. Um, what's your take on wearable technologies? <laughs> so technologies that are attached in your clothing, that is. 
We love them. Uh, I actually do a lot of work with uh, wearable tech in the superhuman stuff. Um, so, you know, anything that we can monitor um, from the skin is amazing. The other side of that, um, you know, while monitoring inside your body and all that sort of thing, Google and Levi's just came out with Jacquard, which is a denim jacket, you know, because denim jackets are a thing again. Oh, so help me God. Um, but uh, so they've come up with this te- um, it's technology. It's not actually denim. It's a new material that kind of looks like denim. Yeah. So it's, but it's um, basically sensors and receivers and everything within the fabric. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, and NFC and all that sort of stuff mm. that um, can do haptic feedback and, uh, vibrate mm. if someone's calling and, you know, all over the jacket. So, you know, down the arms, um, down the chest and the back, uh, you've got different sensors, receivers, um, transponders, all doing different things that you've set it up to do. Yeah, yeah we're actually in an interesting phase at the moment where the tech is actually leapfrogging um, science. So we I had, I had a neuroscientist here the other day from um, Macquarie University and he was actually telling me that his $150,000 EEG gives the exact same results as the $1,000 emotive. And he's like, he goes, well, we've got 52 sensors, but it still gives the same result. So the Kickstarter, I call it the Kickstarter war. Kickstarter is insane because they are leapfrogging entire industries and development and university researching and just going straight to market instantly. And the amount of sensors we've got these days, as we know in the IoT world, you know, I mean, I think Samsung actually put out a watch which was like one of their original ones, but it just, it just had like 20 sensors in it. It was reference hardware. And we can monitor almost anything. The thing is about productizing it and it being useful because I think people are starting to realize that knowing that you turned over at 2.37 a.m. and almost woke up is probably a bit redundant and stupid. Yeah, it's about um, making sure that you're collecting the data that you need for a specific purpose. So say, for example, you've got athletes that are learning to do different things in their training. There's, you know, some pieces of clothing that we're, le- uh, that we're using to monitor lots of different things, muscle contractions, um, the way of a flow, all these kind of things, which is great if you're an athlete and you're working towards that kind of goal or, you know, amateur or whatever, and you're, and you want to get things perfect and you want to be the best and, you know, you want to beat yourself every day that's great but for an average person who just likes to exercise sometimes there's no need for that kind of thing but um you know we're working with say for example some some kung fu masters and they want to um perpetuate their particular style of kung fu well then they're wearing this type of um, motion capture stuff motion and, capture yeah. wearables and that's you know that's keeping their style alive for the next generations. Yeah, so we're actually able to record more, rather than just a photo or a video of a guy playing golf or football, we're actually gonna be able to record how strong his muscles were working, the exact movements of that amazing boxer or golfer or athlete. We'll be able to look back um, when we start recording information and see things that we can't see now. Like, this is how strong this guy was. Even by today's standard in 2060, he is pretty amazing. So we, we're just going to be able to record so much more and virtual reality and augmented reality and you blend all these things together. And it's going to be interesting. Like wearables in health, there are some that are mind-blowing, like the in, in utero monitoring ones where you can wear this thing. It's like they actually charge like about 150 bucks a month for the monitoring. But your doctor, your pediatrician can sit there live monitoring your baby over the entire time and can be giving you a call going, 
can you please come in tomorrow if he sees the slightest thing happening? And yeah. I, I, that, that, I mean, I'm not, we're not talking about modifying people or doing silly things. We're talking about just an insight at a level of the things that you really, really care about. And if we can deal with people like um, that have got allergens, imagine you're giving your son a bracelet that would go red and start beeping, you know, you know 60 seconds before the allergy took hit and you save their lives. Like that stuff is just mind-blowing. Well, what about giving the athlete a longer time span on their career by preventing injuries? Yeah, there's so much mm. more. That's some of the, that's the area where we're starting to play in. Yeah, we've got some teams. And this is just to, oh, sorry, Mark, it's just one comment and then sure. you can, yep. Um, uh, so I was just about to say, this is the environment in which today's students will actually live. Yep. So this this is a kind of technology society that uh, they'll find themselves when they graduate from school. They're living it now. So how do we prepare? And yeah, in many respects they do. So how does a teacher today prepare them? I'm not, it's a rhetorical question. Um, that's a difficulty, right? That's a big challenge. Well, teachers don't have to do much. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Being, be a mentor more than you know the traditional teacher where you transmit information to them. A guide, keep them on track. I do like the that's a good if teachers learned a lot more about ethics and morals and could like the computer guy or the VR guy could actually integrate a lot of that into like just because we can do this, these are the impacts of getting too deep, too much, too much monitoring all those kinds of things. There are bad sides to everything and we as humans, everything we make and create, we figure out a way to use it in a bad way and there will be problems. Okay, futurists, I feel like you've been holding out on us. You've been mainly <laughs> talking about stuff that's been happening between the last you know, five years ago. What's actually happening now that, say, a techie person might not have heard of? He was one thing that we haven't heard about. Yeah, what's happening now or what's happening in the next, say, two years? The biggest thing at the moment um, that Shanti and I are focusing on is the brain. So there is wearables, but we there's a new class that's just appeared called changeables. So the there's a product, for example, called the Halo Sport, which is a TDCS, transcranial direct current stimulation. It's kind of like headphones, and they look like they're made by Dr. Dre. And um, what they do is they send a very, very tiny voltage. I think it's 5% of a 9-volt battery, just like a normal 10s or those things you see, the ad masters and everything. You put that over your motor cortex, and that puts your brain into a state of neurohyperplasticity. Is that what it is? Neuro? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. So I'm, I'm asking my wife. She's the actual more the expert. But it basically gives you an hour of learning it like almost 10 times the factor when it comes to physical movements. So whether you are a sports person, running, jumping, golfing, any repetitive motions, violin, um, um, sports shooters, anything you can imagine, you are going to learn that. 10 times faster, which is why the kangaroos already have it. We're working with basketball teams, football teams, golfers, all these people that are elite in their sport that play with that extreme tech, they know about it or starting to know about it in Australia. The world has no idea about that sort of stuff. So my understanding with uh, transcranial stimulation was that you get an hour and you'll basically become more creative. Oh, sorry, you become more creative. So previously, no, no, if you never had brain. a draw a horse, you can, you know, draw an amazing picture of a horse. Picasso. But, you know, well, yeah, well, Picasso is different because he <laughs> was a master and then it was because he was a master that he was able to do the simple thing. 
Um, people often look at his, yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So that's a different area, and that is coming. So they've been doing that for the last few years. You're still holding out yeah. on me. No, no, no. Okay. So now there's, there's, there's old technology and there's technology people will buy. So with what you're talking about there, it, it does exist, but it looks like a science lab stuff. So there's um, folk.us, which is a version for gamers, which people just, which is a combined version. So the version you're talking about is targeting a different part of the brain. So the brain has many areas. And when you target the motor cortex, which is movement, that's the area that they've been perfected at the moment. Um, and, and Halo Neuro has absolutely smashed it. And all every number one and Olympic athletes at the moment in the world are going absolutely nuts on it because it halves their or quarters their training time. And they're meeting performance and exceeding like crazy. That said, the Halo sort of other version that targets different parts of the brain. So you talked about creativity a bit ago. There are other ones that can actually be learning. So I'm actually, I've actually got um, a prototype where I'll be able to put it on. And rather than me doing, um, you know, working out physically, I'll be able to wear that and I'll be able to learn Mandarin in a day or two. Day or two. So my understanding so, is that you'd lose it. So after, nope. after an hour, you nope. lose what you've... What you've Not at all. Uh, so, you, don't, you don't lose what you've learnt. You might, the effectiveness of the device after about an hour, sure, but you're only, during that time, you're learning whatever it is that you're learning. So, but the idea is that the more you train any kind of part of your brain with this device, the stronger those pathways get. And one thing that brain people always talk about is neurons that fire, the, fire together, wire together. So if you can make your neurons fire together, you will learn faster. That learning doesn't go away. Yeah. So the funny thing is, is that that, that that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, is actually based in reality. Because after about 18, 19, or say like about 20, you lose 4% of your ability to learn every decade. So the weird thing about this is, and we were, when we were researching uh, these devices is, we were like, can it be used on children? And they're like, no, they're at their peak neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. But if you take a forty-year-old, yep. he's nineteen again, and there Maybe are that'll help the teachers. Yeah, and so so that one that's related, and you just you, it's just doing exactly the same thing as you do, and with muscle memory, it's just teaching you faster. But if I stop speaking a language that you learn traditionally, like I've learned eight, eight languages over my life that I can't speak anymore because yeah. I've got no one to talk to. Got to use it. So you've got to use it. So it doesn't matter how fast you get. This is just lets me learn it very quickly. But if I learn, go and learn Greek and I don't talk to anyone in Greek, of course I'll forget it. Yeah. So you go, you learn it, but then you need to maintain it just like yeah. any other knowledge. So there will be a giant rush on exams and everything, people using smart drugs. I'm, about, I'm actually about to do some experimentation with nootropics and TDCS at the same time to see what that does. That's one of the sort of things we research because no one else is out there researching these kinds of things. You've got to do what you got to do. This may be my last interview. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check with like tomorrow for you, which is going to be next week. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff coming. There's a lot of stuff coming. Like there is more changeables out there. There's one changeable that scares me a little bit is when changeables will become open source. That worries me. Oh, right. Um, yeah, there's one that alters the mind and they've open sourced it. And I'm like, oh, my. Because I work with um, politicians and law and policing and everything to try and help advise them about where the risks are coming and how something can be abused. Like even virtual reality can actually be weaponized. People have got to be careful about the different things that can happen out there 
because even all our lawmakers, our politicians, everything, they've got absolutely no idea right now because it's coming and it's drowning the market so fast. Okay, beyond epileptic fits, how can VR be weaponized? Do you really want to know? In one, yeah, in one know. minute. In one huh? minute. Oh, um, so <laughs> VR, VR, VR sits there and runs at 29 point whatever frames a second. I take three of those frames, put subliminal advertising in them oh, in a full yeah. immersive state. Yeah, and and you're sitting there with, works. But you're sitting there with kittens and I'm flashing three fra- of those frames a second and with some, like, death and everything. Then you'll take it off and I'll go, so how are the kittens? You'll be like, um, um... Yeah, they were were fine. And I could reverse the same thing. So you can actually do serious damage to people because it's no, this is why subliminal uh, visuals are actually illegal. But you take that and you turn it into an immersive experience. Like you see all those things like Jason Bourne and being trained with all those flashing things. You put that in there in the the actual world. We already talked to some, uh, some of the best neuroscientists in the country and they've just, I explained it to them, the theory, and they just go, uh oh. And who's checking anything that's loading, being loaded up to YouTube and all these other places, all the 360 experiences? No one's doing anything. So that's a way to weaponize. Are you happy now? You see that? <laughs> yeah, I was just uh, thinking, but why wouldn't they just do TV? It's, or, it's know, controlled, I think. Or it's video illegal. content. It's illegal to do well, that. Well, it's actually TV. the immersive nature of it. It's just got a 10 times bigger impact. Than yeah, hard to escape it, I guess. Well. Um, so because of the time, I think we've reached uh, oh, the <laughs> rapid question segment. And I'd like to I don't know if you want to bleep that bit out. <laughs> we, we can. Actually, it wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah. So let's get into rapid questions and answers segment for the next few minutes. So, um, Shanti and Steve, in just a few words, how can you describe the next 10 years? Next 10 years will be... Exciting as hell. It will be exciting and it's like if you don't love it, you'll just have to go live in a farm in the middle of nowhere. Keep up or retire. I don't care if you're 25, (laughs) keep up or retire. It's coming anyway. What advice would you give to students, say 10-year-old, 10 to 15-year-old students today and to teachers separately? Of course, not the same advice, but... Why oh, not? It's the same don't, advice. Don't limit learning sure. to the classroom. And don't wait for your teachers. Don't wait for your students to teach you because they actually do that a lot. Get online, learn, learn, learn. Be the 10-year-old or 12-year-old or 15-year-old that has already certificates in many different other areas. You could actually graduate high school with way, way more than your HSC. Um, and you, by the time you graduate high school, if you're that age, they're probably uni's going to be a very different place anyway because technology, they know everything's moving. So be ready. Be better. If you're a student today, should you worry about a career, HSC and things like that? People um, of anywhere from under about 18 don't have the concept of a career anymore. There's a lot of change coming in that way. Flesh out your passion. Have you got got a a book or a movie to recommend people to read or watch that can kind of convey some of the messages that you've been talking to us about today? a book. Um, we are like almost church followers of Simon Sinek about understanding your why. If he had a church, would be in it. Into, into understanding who you are. He's the one that did the big talk about how millennials are misunderstood. And, it, 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 you know, he's one of the second highest YouTube people in the world. So knowing who you are, inspiration-wise, watch Limitless because... Most of that, most of that, and um, is real. And I'm very curious to see the new Spielberg movie to see how close they get with what um, what we will be living in the next 24 months. 
Awesome. Marcus, any closing thoughts? That's been a very fun interview. <laughs> any oh, any, keep any going for hours. Yeah, we could. But uh, let's make this the last one. Any closing thoughts for your listeners? Do something. Don't sit there letting your brain go dull watching just nonstop TV. Get out, make something. Um, the world is actually changing as we know it. Even, I mean, we've got the, we all know about the maker, but sometimes that people feel that's hard. But even the simple stuff like Lego is turning into mechanized, computerized, and like be different in everything you do. Makering and tinkering is going to become a part of it. So get in as soon as you can. Um, something really practical. Uh, at the end of last year, I was talking to a mum about, uh, you know, she lives in the country with her kids um, and she gets really worried about screen time because she doesn't want them, you know, too much screen. So I said, okay, no worries. Get them to be outside, you know, put them in a tree. I don't care. But then give them a laptop and some Lego and some motors, you know, robotics, whatever, and let them solve problems outside. It's all becoming cheap. So, so cheap. Like when you've got a Raspberry Pi Zero at um, like under $20 for that sort of stuff and you've got computers with a gigahertz of speed, half a gigaram, that is crazy. There is no excuse in some cases for the say, oh, I can't afford it. $20, like the government should just issue a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino to every kid or every every citizen or something. I mean, and just say make something. Actually, <laughs> Obama did this video broadcast saying people should learn to be hackers, not just in computing, but in life. And that was Obama making a call for the future of the United States and their country. I'd like to see the same here. I would like to see hack, you know, hack things. That's why we, the hackathon is becoming such a massive thing in the workplace where you're challenged. Kids need to have kid hackathons and industries, and I think that's where we need to push. So get involved if you see the word hackathon or something like that. Well, uh, go forth and hack. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Hack, make, whatever. Skip. That's hack, actually make, a implant. good slogan, isn't it? I should trademark yeah. that. Hack, make, <laughs> <laughs> go forth and hack. So thank you very much, guys. It was like a real pleasure. Uh, I think this is probably the longest episode ever. So <laughs> uh, wishing you a lot of uh, luck and fun with your experiments, guys, and keep us posted. I'm going to check with you in a while to see how you're doing with all your implants, especially the you know, computer brain interfaces and all that. I'm yeah, very curious. Lace. Yeah. Hey, what I'm trying to get to, and this is one of the reasons I want to talk to, uh, talk to Marcus about some of the robotics, is I actually mm -hmm. want to start the Australian Thought League where we can use the brain-computer interface. I heard they were doing it at some MIT where... It's not about remote control cars, it's about how well you can think your remote control car or around the room and things like that. Like, that's the next generation. And we can have schools and competitions. People will hear that and just go, what? Controlling these things is my thoughts? With my that's, mind. That's, that's the future you ask about, Marcus, is thought is the next 10 years like crazy. Took it to the guy, I could never awesome. get an emotive to work. Yeah. We'll get it to work, <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't need my coach. I need my Zen Buddhist monk to help me go left. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you soon, guys. See you later. See ya. That's all for this episode. The notes for this episode that include links to many of the resources mentioned and information on how to get in touch with Skeeves and Shanti are available on our website at texplore.com forward slash p forward slash stemiverse. Each episode comes with its own page on the Tech Explorations website and a goldmine of information in the notes. 
If you have any questions or suggestions for us, please send them to our email address pa at txplore.com and would be happy to answer them. Do you want us to interview someone in particular? Please let us know. Visit us at txplore.com forward slash pay forward slash STEMiverse to get the show notes of every episode. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the name of our podcast, STEMiverse. That's S-T-E-M-I-V-E-R-S-E. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time.